welcome to Overburden, the podcast for postal workers. I'm Brandy Hughes. And I'm Kevin Hitchings. Today we want to talk about lead hands. Neither of us have ever worked with a lead hand, so if there's any listening, maybe we'll get a few things wrong, but we're going with what's online and uh, looking at the corporate manual system, which we've talked about before, and uh, we can't really say much about the collective agreement because there's almost nothing in there about lead hands. Yeah, most of what there is is contained in Appendix J in the Urban Collective Agreement, and there is essentially no mention of them in the RSMC one that I can find. Lead hands shouldn't really have too much to do with RSMCs because they're there to kind of um, handle the, the the money and the inventory and stuff and the running of the post office building itself. Really, they're not there to do anything technically with delivering or any kind of supervising thing. So the RSMCs are kind of separate from them in a way. Yeah, um, so those would be group one, or, uh, lead hands, whereas there's also group three and four lead hands. And they would not have anything to do with retail because those are um, maintenance positions. Right. So basically what a lead hand is, is someone to take care of the daily operations where there isn't a supervisor in the facility, a regular supervisor. Right. So if you're in one of the smaller... Um, smaller towns or smaller cities maybe you have uh, an area manager who comes by you know every so often and checks on things or less if you're lucky or less if you're lucky um i'm sure some of them are pleasant people uh (laughs) but anyways uh so you there has to be someone in your facility to make decisions on a daily basis and to make sure that everything runs smoothly and to keep things organized and uh functioning so they are there to do some of the duties that keep the office running that a supervisor might do but they are not a supervisor is the key thing right and i think the big difference there is that there there's certain decisions that are kind of above their ability to make because they don't have that power and also they are not supposed to be disciplining no they are cupw members they're not uh psac supervisor at all we do hear quite a bit about lead hands that want to be supervisors or want to act like supervisors and in some of the small locations uh, members may not even realize that a lead hand is not a supervisor i've heard things like a lead hand just putting somebody as a leave without pay and calling it a suspension uh, where they obviously can't do that they can't suspend someone they can't discipline anybody and they're obviously not following the ca but in places where people may not be aware of this Stuff like that can happen. So that's the biggest difference between a lead hand and a supervisor is uh, lead hands are just there to handle operational things. No staffing, no disciplinary, nothing that way. Although in some places they do schedule shifts a little bit. So I guess in that way they do staffing. Well, right. But that's part of regular maintenance of the... Yeah. I meant like not uh, managing people issues, staff issues, as opposed to hours of staffing. You might think, why does a person, why would a person take a lead hand position? And and some of those are temporary positions. Like if your regular lead hand is on an extended leave of absence, they might offer a temporary, uh, essentially a backfill to do that job while they're gone. Uh, so the reason people take the job is because there's a pay difference. And it should be posted and offered out by seniority, like it any other be. position. It's not just a supervisor picking their favorite worker and giving them this lead hand job. So if if you become a lead hand and you started at the corporation before 2013, uh, your rate of pay will be just over the the two-year 
mark for, for pay scale. Uh, I say that because the people who started before 2013, they only have a two-year pay increment, and then they're at the top wage, whereas if you started after 2013, there's a seven-year one. But again, if you take the lead hand position, you pretty much go to just over that top pay rate for seven years. Right, so you get bumped right to the top of the pay scale. Right, so if you've been struggling away at, you know, and you're at year three and they offer you a lead hand position, well, that's really tempting because that's a big pay jump. Now, it might only be a temporary thing, but still, it, you, you start that pay as soon as you start doing the duties. And it also specifies in Appendix J that... Uh, a person gets that rate of pay if they do a substantial amount of the duties of the lead hand. So even if you're not fully recognized as the lead hand, you could probably file a grievance and argue that you should get that rate of pay if you are doing those duties in your facility. Well, and lead hands do a lot of the opening and closing duties at the post office. So if you're open eight hours a day or more, you know, one person might be doing all the opening stuff, one person might be doing the closing stuff because it's going to extend you past the eight hours. You can't extend on both ends. Right. So there's a good chance that there should be people out there doing or getting lead hand pay that may or may not be. Um, if you're in group three or group four, the increments are, they actually have increments for lead hands and it's a five-year scale. All the other ones, it's just one line, this is what you get paid. So group three and four are maintenance and technical staff. Usually you don't have enough mechanics or computer techs or things like that to warrant a their own supervisor. So one of them is usually a lead hand. Now, you might argue that you need a lead hand where you are and you don't have one. So there is, in the collective agreement, it says that they may consult to create more positions with your local union. So if that's something you want to see, then by all means, bring it to your local and, and ask about creating that position. Yeah, there's technically nothing wrong with everybody in the depot being a lead hand, or in the facility, I should say. Hey, it's a pay raise. Why not? <laughs> More money for postal workers. I love it. So honestly, I didn't see a thing about what a lead hand in group three or four does, because everything I saw was about um, managing a retail postal outlet, um, a small post office. I didn't see anything about the technical staff. I don't know if you saw anything. I didn't really either. I, I honestly don't know that much about the duties of the mechanics or the the technical staff either. So and it's very hard to find anything. There's not much in the CA <laughs> or even online in the CMS corporate manual system about them. Yeah, so pretty, we're gonna... pretty much all I know is that they want to uh, get more women to be in group three. Right. That's all I know. <laughs> so yeah, most of what we're going to talk about is obviously for small town post offices and... Uh, possibly smaller POs. The main duty of the retail lead hand is to uh, oversee the financial operations. They're going to uh, count the float in the morning, set out the float. And if it's a new facility, they're actually going to look at how many staff they have and the hours are going to be open to determine what that float should be. They will have a local area manager there they'll confer with and stuff. But their job is to make sure that float is there, uh, monitor the money at the throughout the day, and then count the float at the end of the day and log everything. Uh, and if there's any, and if they're ever off by more than $1, they got to file reports. And there are regular audits they would be responsible for. So that might be a reason that you may not want to be a lead hand. Mm. Um, because I think it mentioned monthly, I'm not sure. But they will audit occasionally. And uh, you're going to have to explain any discrepancies and whatnot. So you're, you're kind of just generally overseeing everything that happens there. Um... You might be overseeing RSMCs, so uh, working on getting uh, problems fixed with the CMBs, that kind of thing. 
They also handle all the, the mailboxes that come in. If you're installing new mailboxes or replacing them or anything like that, they're going to handle all of that thing or anything that comes in the building at all, really. You're signing when packets receive and things like that into the building and flyers, stuff like that. You're going to be the one signing when they come in and verifying that everything's there. Yeah, and, and managing all your inventory to make sure you have the things you need to to provide to the customers or to make sure that you have room for all of the mail that's coming to you and that you have a place to store it and sort it and get it out of the, the building <laughs> in one way or another. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't see anything official on this, even in the CMS, but uh, they do also kind of assign jobs. You know, when people come into the post office to work, there's one person putting mail into the boxes, one person sorting packets and things like this, one person manning the counter. They will kind of direct the flow of things going on. Uh, and again, they're expected to be in communication with the area manager and whatnot. So again, they're in kind of a tricky spot is in a way because they are not supposed to discipline, but right. they're also responsible for everything that happens there. So if you're doing something silly and they don't tell the area manager, if they ever, if you ever get caught, they're in trouble for it. Right. You know, it's a for, difficult position to be in. Right. Which is why a lot of them uh, just try and deal with things themselves and be the supervisor, disciplinary type person. And there's been quite a few um, work on worker conflicts because of that coming up where a lead hand thinks they're a supervisor. And some of them honestly don't realize there's a difference. They're the lead hand. They think they're in charge and they're able to do this stuff. And I don't know if it's improper training or I think sometimes the management encourages that because it's less on them, right? They can have somebody else doing all the, the work for them. And it's hard to monitor from the local office sometimes. When, when one person in a small facility gets essentially promoted over the others, it can lead to some animosity. Um, and that's... I mean, that's natural, but I, you, you also have to recognize that it's a job that someone has to do, right? There's also the possibility that, uh, especially in an office with only one or two people, they may say, well, there's only one or two of you. You don't need a lead hand. Well, yes, you do, because if there's no lead hand, there's never a float. There's never anything coming to the building. So they do have to have, and they do have to pay a lead hand at these facilities. Well, right, because if they say you don't need one, well, who's doing all those jobs? Who's doing all that work? Right. And even if they're splitting it amongst the two of you, well, then theoretically, both of you should get that pay raise. Right. So it's a problem in, in small places sometimes where they just kind of let that position slide or they don't fill it. Right. Uh, and uh, it makes sense to an, uh, to an employee that, you know, isn't from a larger place because why would you need a lead hand if there's only one person? That kind of makes it easy to choose your lead hand, doesn't it? It should, yeah. <laughs> Still technically post it. <laughs> okay, Which, yeah. Maybe if no one applies for it, that's kind of a weird situation, I guess. Oh, yeah. What would happen if there was only one person and they're like, we want you to be a lead hand and the person says no? Then I guess technically the area manager have to come in every day and set up the float and count the money. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That would be highly amusing. It would be. Can you imagine? They'd be so mad. <laughs> I don't have time for this. That's what they say all the time. I don't have time for that. Not my job description. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's not something I'm interested in either, but I'm also not a PO4, so... So, if you are having difficulty interacting with your lead hand, it's unfortunate, but you kind of have to 
I would get your union involved, and then you kind of have to take that to um, management, don't you? Because how else are you going to resolve that? Unless you do just union-specific... Um, you always want to try that first when it's member I and member. And we did an episode on solidarity and the conflict resolution progress process, and also on Article 8, which you really don't want to do unless you absolutely have to. Right. But uh, you can always ask for mediation, and as long as both parties are willing to sit down and, and constructively air their uh, issues with each other and try to find resolution that works for everyone, then that can be a really beneficial process. And it means that instead of going to work every day and fighting about things and being you know, at odds with each other, you can actually work together and be a team again. And again, consult the union on that. We have had mediations and sessions and things come out, and we do tend to get the employer to pay for that. Right. So um, not always, it doesn't cost the union any, and sometimes they'll even pay for your time to go through this process and just try and get things resolved, which is much better than having things sit like that and get worse until they're unresolvable. Yeah, because usually things don't just resolve themselves, do they? <laughs> I mean, people can transfer in and out or retire or whatever the case may be but um things don't usually resolve themselves uh people might transfer in or in and out or retire but you might be waiting a very long time for something like that to happen so if that's your game plan to to find a way to work with your lead hand maybe that's not the best plan <laughs> and sadly that is the way a lot of these things resolve when a lead hand decides to be the supervisors eventually one of them ends up retiring right um well, a lot of people say I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to. I don't want to raise a fuss. There are grievances we can file in these in some cases too. Uh, we file them against management for failing to manage, essentially, mm-hmm. um, or for not following process, things like that. So, grievances are always against the corporation. Right. But when there's issues on the floor, that's the employer's problem. Yeah, the grievance can kind of force management to address an issue because a lot of times they will just ignore things and tell people to work out themselves and again if the work floor uh, morale goes to the toilet they often don't care and their solution is often well we'll wait till one of them quits right but we can force their hand on things or how many times have you heard them say well people should just act like (laughs) grown-ups and you know that's true but um Management is also supposed to provide us with a safe workplace. And if someone is feeling that they're harassed or bullied or or that they're someone working with them is harassing them as the lead hand, then that's a problem and it needs to be resolved. And again, this is something that can happen. Some super or some lead hands try and be like supervisors. This is definitely not the rule. Oh, sure. Like, yeah, there, I'm sure there are lots of great lead hands out there who do an excellent job and, and people are very, very lucky to work with them. And if I were a lead hand, I would be pushing as much as I can to the area manager because it's not my job. And why would I want to worry about that kind of stuff? Right. Yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah. Why, why engage in conflict? That's someone else's job to manage with. So... Uh, yeah, I, there's no way I would want to discipline anybody or give someone crap for this or that. Um, or even even pass along correspondence. I've seen that where the area manager will only talk to the lead hand and go tell this person this, but it's coming from me. It's like, no, that's that's your job to communicate. If it's a disciplinary letter, then it's totally your job. <laughs> yeah, I, I would never hand someone the disciplinary letter. Either. No. Well, discipline is not, it's like the worst part of management. Like, I mean, it's been years since I was in a management position, but... 
and certainly not at the post office, but that's the worst part of the job, you know? Well, firing someone is the worst part of the job, in my opinion. I don't know. So if you take one of these lead hand positions as a, as a temporary thing, you will get the, the increased rate of pay for the duration of, of you holding that position. But when you revert back to your old position, uh, you will go back to your old rate of pay. Right. It's not just the hours that you're doing lead hand duties on. It's the entire shift. You're, once right. you're, when you're a lead hand, you're always a lead hand. Yeah, they can't tell you you're going to be a lead hand for four hours of your shift and then a regular employee for the other half. No. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it should be clear by now, too, that in the contract it says if you're a supervisor, if you go to a tempor temporary supervisor position um, outside of peak season, you can lose your seniority. Again, lead hands are not supervisors. Right. If you take a lead hand position, you do not lose any seniority. You are right. still a CUPW member and you keep all the CUPW rewrites. It does not affect anything in that that way and you can stay in that position beyond peak season for years if it if that's how it works out. decades yeah again not a whole lot in the contract about uh lead hands specifically uh the cms just basically tells you how to manage the money in the floats and taxes a whole bunch on how to handle different taxes on things and how to receive stuff into the building but very little else and nothing else is really a lead hands job as far as i can tell um but you can actually go onto the corporate site and look up the lead hand training manual and stuff. If you have any questions on what they can or can't do. Uh, and if you have any issues with anything, contact the local office. And if you have any issues with what we've said about lead hands or you think we missed something, by all means, please send us an email at overburdenpod at gmail.com. Um, we would be happy to do a correction if we've got something wrong. And we don't have a lot of experience with lead hands. Yeah, just basically let you know that they exist and how limited they technically are and again just drive home the point of what they can't do which mostly is disciplinary type things i find it funny that there's so little about them in the ca and yet there's a a whole paragraph about how if they do a bunch of outside duties they can request to have a parka provided by the right. the corporation and that they may or may not grant that request <laughs> it's like they had to write like two whole pages on how, yeah. how that's a thing and in, in some places the lead hand that's all that's all they do is Unlock the do, is do the money, unlock the, the building usually. Although the, they don't have to be the one doing that even. And sign for things coming in. And in some places they have a lot of control and they are really running the place. Mm -hmm. Which is really outside their scope. I could see how that would be really, really tempting though in a really small facility. Because I don't, I don't know about other locals. But here it feels like our management is constantly being shuffled. It's like yeah. musical chairs. And so I could see it being tempting to want to be in control of that so that you can create some stability and predictability in your days so that even when your local area manager changes every six months yeah. or a year or however often that happens, then you can still, you know, keep things yeah. running the way they were before so that your, your coworkers and yourself are happy. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like mitigating the unknown. Right. Again, I know a lot of places they do assign jobs and move the staff around, but technically that's not their position either. Um, I know some lead hands are probably out there getting furious with us right now. And there's probably some... <laughs> but uh, we do it all the time! <laughs> there's probably are some workers going, hey! <laughs> so hopefully we're not causing too much conflict doing this right. either. But uh, again, they're all mostly good, reasonable people just to have a conversation with them. And if not, yeah. there's always mediation. But we already did the email address, which is usually our sign-off. 
<laughs> so if you want to know more about it, though, feel free to look through the collective agreement um, or speak to your local, your local union. I know that in smaller areas where they tend to have lead hands, they often don't have a lot of interaction with the local union either. And I don't know if that's on the fault of the office or on the fault of the workers there, but I feel like any opportunities to reconnect and to, to know that your local is there to support you. I think it's a little bit of, of both. And some locals, um, they're really spread out. We have something like 25 affiliates. We are so spread out. And they are all over the province. And technically, we're supposed to try and physically visit them once a year. But we calculated just the cost and the driving and the lost hours and the per diems. And even if, you know, you hit six of them on a certain, on the way up and so many on the way back. I can't remember how much it was, but it was in the thousands and thousands of dollars. And one of the problems is you want to talk to the RSMCs who are only there in the morning right. or when you catch them coming back. So you can't just stop in randomly uh, in the middle of the day. So it's tough. Like you're be lucky to hit three in a day. Right. So, And then even if you plan to be there right when they start so that they're in the building, what happens when you have road issues and you come in an hour yeah. late? It is, yeah, it is very difficult to visit some of the affiliates, uh, which is, you know, why websites are good and email's good and... Problem is, is, is a lot of places don't realize they have issues until you point them out. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. So there was one, uh, was it Tisdale? I can't remember. There was one small post office where our president stopped in and checked, and there was a weird smell. And she opened up the floor to the crawl space, and they realized that the um, pipe from the toilet to the sewer was disconnected, and it had been emptying into the crawl space, and there was something like five or six inches of just sewage underneath the building. Oh, gross. And people had just kind of got used to it, and I guess it vented outside somehow, not too bad. So it was, it was just a weird smell that they, you know. They somebody, learned to live with. Yeah, and, you know, that's way more obvious than uh, a staffing issue or, you know, someone not knowing where their authority starts or ends, you know. So a lot of subtle stuff like that. You could call the office about, but if you don't know that anything's wrong, why would you call the office, you know? Right. Well, that's the other thing with visits is you can stop in and visit real quick, but you're not really observing the day-to-day -day operations to, to realize these things. So, yeah, call and check if anything's weird or unusual or just if you need clarification on something because you can't always go to the supervisors or your area manager because they're just going to tell you whatever's convenient for them, right? Oh, yeah, ours lie to us all the time. Yeah, and it, it doesn't have to be something you think is wrong, just something you want clarification on. You know, yeah. a first place to go, of course, is the CMS. Because, uh, again, the union office isn't probably going to be as familiar with their day-to-day -day operations. Right. So if you go to the corporate manual system, and again, just on the interpost under resources, corporate manual system, then search for whatever you need. That'll usually tell you how to do everything specifically. But any questions contractual-wise and things like that, always good to call the office. For sure. Anyway, now we're way past where the email was given out. Uh, even though we're still relatively short this week, uh, but I think that's about all I have to say. Yep, I got nothing. You want me to close, don't you? Um, so if you don't want to wait the seven years to get to the top pay rate, consider becoming a lead hand.